Hi, I'm Anna, a young university student. And I'm Marissa, a middle-aged palliative care doctor. And it might seem like we don't have that much in common. But we're both really passionate about climate change. And we're mother and daughter. So welcome to Green Girl Talk. Hi. For today's feature focus, we are going to talk about the wildfires that are raging in California because, you know, that's pretty horrible. So what'd you find out, Anna? So as of August 24th, so probably more now, more than 1 billion acres have burned. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, that's kind of hard to visualize, obviously, because how big is an acre and then 1 billion acres? Um, But that is an area five times the size of New York City. Wow. And when I'm... I mean, it's still hard to visualize right, New York City, but, like, it feels big when you're there. Yes. And, like, on a map, you can see that. Yeah. So, five times. That's, yeah. That's very big. It's mm-hmm. very sad. Um, so, then the rest of the stuff I found is more about how climate change affects the wildfires. Okay. So, if you have more yeah, facts, a little bit we more should do statistics. this. Yeah. So, this was as of August 30th, there were 16,000 firefighters there fighting approximately 24 major fires, and 60,000 people had been evacuated. There have been seven fatalities and 2,500 structures destroyed. Um, Part of the way that the fire started was that there were a lot of lightning storms, and between August 15th and August 30th, there were 14,000 lightning strikes in California. Um, setting 84 new fires. Yeah, I can't even imagine all that lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fact I found, mm-hmm. since the early 70s, California wildfires have increased in size eightfold. Wow. So the annual burnt area has grown by nearly 500% mm. since the 70s. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... So another thing that I was really interested in was how people are managing with all of mm-hmm. this because also COVID, um, and it's really, really hard. I mean, it's hard for the firefighters because of COVID, and they're having to sort of bubble with other firefighters, um, and it's hard for people to evacuate when um, you're supposed to be isolating, um, and it's really hard because of the bad air quality. And so people who, who are there can't go outside because the air quality mm-hmm. is so bad, it affects their breathing. A lot of people can't run their air conditioner because there's rolling power outages. So you basically have to stay inside your house with the windows closed with no AC, and it's very, very hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I have something similar yeah. to that, kind yeah. of about the smoke. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize this, but the smoke gets carried eastward because there's so much smoke. Mm -hmm. So then it actually goes to Nevada. Okay. Um, And wildfire smoke contains high amounts of soot and other fine particles. So especially with COVID, Mm. that's even worse. Because it also affects your lungs and your breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I didn't think about, really. I didn't think about the smoke. Right. Well, I thought I saw something like the smoke could come all the way to Canada, but then I couldn't find it. I don't think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Fake news. (laughs) Alright, why don't you keep going? Okay, so the rest of my stuff is kind of about how did how does climate change go hand in hand with sure. things like wildfires? Because for me, it's 
when I hear about like hurricanes right and stuff like that it seems more obvious I okay guess. Uh, so some people might not understand so hotter temperatures equals drier land mm-hmm. and then obviously with the drier land it's easier for fires to start and then to continue going because mm. there's no moisture to stop them right um so with climate change and the hotter temperatures the fires are starting earlier every year and ending later yeah um and there's also more pest infestations because of the heat yeah like the pine, pine beetles. beetles so yeah. they eat the trees and then they kill them yeah but then the trees are just standing there right. and they're dead so obviously they don't have moisture anymore yeah. which also makes it worse so these beetles can live longer mm-hmm. during the year so more trees are dying which right. makes the fires worse yeah um and then another thing i thought was interesting the fires it said the fires are causing snow to melt earlier in the season mm. i didn't i feel like i didn't even know they had snow like in the mountains yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so the fires are causing the snow to melt earlier in the season yeah. across the western u.s which actually creates a cycle so that there's more fires. Uh, so right. it's kind of this vicious cycle yeah. of the snow melting earlier and then the fire is starting, but then the fires melt the snow. Right. And it will just keep getting worse. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I think that the increased number of lightning strikes also has to do with the higher heat and also mm-hmm. the higher humidity. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I did read that because um, I was surprised, like, why are they having so many lightning strikes mm-hmm. this year? And they said it has to do with the heat and the humidity which obviously also has to do with climate change, right? Mm. So the other things that I looked up about it were more information about the firefighters. Do you want to hear that? Yeah. Okay. Um, So uh, because they're running uh, out of people to help fight the fires for various reasons um, that I won't get into, they're looking for outside help. Um, And so they asked two countries to help, and Canada was one of the countries Mm. they asked to help. Um, and I guess the uh, Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Center did receive a request from the state of California, but they don't have a, reci- a reciprocal agreement in place with the state, only with the country, and so Canadian firefighters are not going there at the moment to help out, oh. which was made me sad. Um, but the other request they put in was to Australia, mm-hmm. and um, Australia... Firefighters have had an exchange with California for the last 20 years, um, and so they are continuing that exchange, and uh, Australia is sending firefighters to California. Again, it's more complicated because of COVID, mm-hmm. etc., um, but at least some of the, they're getting some extra help and support from Australia, which if you think about how bad the Australia wildfires were this past uh, fall and winter, it's pretty amazing. So for the tips, I tried to find information on how you can help the people who are um, suffering from the wildfires in California. Okay. So one of the things that I actually thought was interesting, it said, donating clothes, cleaning supplies, food, and bottled water is not helpful. Hmm. Okay. Which I would think. Right. That does seem kind of helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, Obviously, bottled water, I would say no <laughs> from a climate change standpoint. Right. Um, but the website I was looking at says that most of it ends up in a landfill oh. because they get so much stuff huh. and then someone, it's someone's job to sort through all of it right. and it's really hard to sort through all of that and a lot of it ends up in a landfill, okay. which I thought was not interesting. Good. So obviously right. that's not good. Yeah. Um, 
also not good with COVID, it said. Okay. Because, right. I don't know, germs. Yeah. And then I, I also found something interesting. In a 2018 fire in California, wildfire. Yeah. They got a lot of clothing donations, and they got stuff like prom dresses. Oh, my God. And, like, God. bikinis. Right. And I feel like sometimes with things like this, people just want to help. But they're doing it for themselves, right? You know, because they, they want to clear donate all this closet. stuff, right? But it's really not helpful, and so yeah. really, this is just worse because it's not like anyone's going to use it. It's going straight to a landfill. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. like Value Village or Goodwill, right? So I thought that was That's, interesting. Yeah. Um. So the ways that you can help, they said cash donations are really good. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure with COVID, right? How I know some people don't use cash. Well, but I mean, like online, you know, like it. I'm sure, like, you go on the Red Cross site and... No, but I think they mean... Actual cash? Well, it said that it's easy for... Because then the... Whoever gets the cash, like, the family, they can choose to do whatever they want with it. Right. I don't know. I saw it was processed (laughs) through an organization. So there are... Yeah, so there are organizations you can use to send cash donations. And then you can also donate to relief organizations, Mm -hmm. like the Red Cross, like you said. Um... So that's most of my tips. Okay. So I think, especially if you don't live close by, the right. best thing you can do is donate money. Sounds and good. Stay informed. Right. I think. Go and vote. Yes. I know today always. is the Last. Massachusetts. Is yeah. it everywhere? For I don't the know. State primary. I don't know. Oh. Today was the last day you could vote in the Massachusetts state primary. I think so. Okay. I think it's also a National Poll Recruiters Day today, but by the time this airs, it won't be anywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go vote. For today's arts and entertainment review, we're going to review some poems. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read them first, and I'll say something about each of the authors, and then you'll, I'll you'll comment. Okay. <laughs> it won't end with a bang. Or a snip, or a crack, or a boom. No book will end it. No image will inspire action. No action will stop the tirade. No tirade will lull the crash, or the boom, or the crack, or the snip before it's over. It won't end with DEFCON 1, but with muddied water guzzled down desperate throats, and mothers crying at shallow graves. With winds whispering away whimpering cities, and brothers packing mothers and sisters to safety. It won't end with the masses. There will be no riots in the streets. Instead, they will run blue and be made seas gushing into coast. It won't end with a hero. No, the hero will die of pneumonia or starve when the livestock have died from dysentery and mildew has taken the plants. We won't be chased. If we had been, we may have run. Instead, death will crawl at a sickly pace and close the space between us. It will end how it all started, with water rushing shores, earth cracking open, and fire raising forests to make room for new inhabitants, but not with a bang. So that poem was written by Amon Arik Kazi, who is a Muslim bisexual Bangladeshi Canadian immigrant and a student at the University of Western Ontario. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he founded the He founded the Western's first community for spoken word artists and poets. He has written for several small publications like Young Voices and The Reckoner of MGCI. And he likes weaving the many aspects of his own, of his often conflicting identity into art that offers a scope into his mind. So do you want to review that one? 
Yeah, so I, I really liked this poem a lot. Um, I liked the, the pacing of it, um, and um, I liked the message of it. I think the idea of it won't end with a bang is sort of referencing back to the Big Bang, mm-hmm. right? And, and um, I mean, it's, it's a pretty sad and depressing poem, mm-hmm. but I, I thought it was also very, in some ways to me, realistic about like what to expect as climate change gets worse. Um, and, um, and, you know, even though it is sort of depressing, it also speaks to the cyclical nature of things. And that's sort of, we all came from that primordial ooze and we'll all go away to it and making room for new life forms. Um, so I thought he used some really stark imagery, mm-hmm. um, water rushing in a shallow grave, um, and it was mostly focused on sort of the water aspects of climate change, although he talked some about disease, pneumonia, and starvation as well. So I thought it was good that he covered sort of a variety of aspects, and I'm just realizing, is he the right pronoun? Oh, well, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> good. I'm glad I got that right. Okay. Um, why don't you read the next one? Okay. None of this is a metaphor for anything. In the car, I traced the power lines with my fingers and hopped over the poles like little toads, real little jumpers like the ones we collected together. Before the marsh was condos, that must have been 25 years ago today. It feels longer. We were born under the high watermark and knew what that meant. How many metaphors do you need to make sense of a dying planet? At least one more. At least one more. Nothing gets to the point I am trying to make. There is no such thing as real sacrifice anymore. The difference between fake blood and real blood is roughly how much we'll pay for it. (laughs) So that one is by Tyler Engstrom. Okay. Strom? I don't know. Um, From his first book of poetry called The Golden Age of the Internet. Um, He was a 2017 finalist for the Writers' Trust RBC Bronwyn Wallace Award. And his writing has been found in Freefall Magazine magazine in the poetry anthology drifting like a metaphor calgary poets of promise yeah so i liked this one as well again it was very stark um but i found like i could really picture the things he was describing watching the power lines go by like you just picture being in a car and and doing that with your finger um and then yeah the idea that like it's a poem about saying how metaphors are, are never going to be enough, how like there's nothing strong enough to make us change. And um, again, sort of depressing, but I felt it was, it had a very modern vibe to mm-hmm. it as well. Um, so I'm not sure exactly when he wrote it, but it felt um, very current to me, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think the thing that impressed me about these poems was um, also that I found them on a website called watchyourhead.ca and um, we can put a link up to that. And this is a uh, website that's an anthology of creative works devoted to climate justice and climate crisis. Um, And it was just started about two years ago. Um, and all the proceeds uh, from the printed anthology go to Raven, which is oh. one of the charities <laughs> I support, and Climate Justice Toronto, which is, um, I think, related to eco-justice. 
and they have um, statements of solidarity with indigenous people, with black communities and Asian communities. Um, and it's started at, by a prof at Western University. Oh, um, and great. I think that's mostly where it's, <laughs> its focus is, mm -hmm. is at uh, Western University. And they have some film and video stuff on their website too, which is pretty cool. So we might uh, review some other mm -hmm. stuff from their website later on. But I was very impressed because, of course, your middle brother goes to Western University. Mm -hmm. going back in a few days. Okay, and now it's time for some good news. I do like doing this segment. It does make me happy when mm -hmm. I research and I find out some good news. Uh, as depressing as the poems were. <laughs> they were also good poems. Um, so I've got three news items for you today. And um, the first one was a study out of Norway. Um, and it was looking at wind power. And one of the concerns that people have with wind power is that it kills birds. And, you know, I don't care for birds, so it's not a huge concern for me, but I know for other people it is. Anyways, what they found in the study was that if they painted one of the three spinning blades black, that they reduced bird mortality by 72%. So that was a significant uh, finding. And, uh, you know, one more reason why sometimes people say, oh, well, we can't have wind towers because it's going to hurt birds in the local environment. But that's a pretty easy fix to that. I did think it was also interesting to note, because that is a complaint people have about uh, wind powers, bird mortality, is that bird mortality is far greater from power lines, um, from wastewater, oil wastewater pits, and even from domestic cats than it is from wind towers. <laughs> so if you're against wind towers because they kill birds, you should also be against pet cats. Um, all right, moving on. The second piece of good news I have today was an article that I saw in the Washington Post. Um, and uh, it was something that I'm quite interested in, uh, which is carbon sinks and carbon storage in the land. And it's something we've talked about a bit before on our podcast. And this was an article um, looking at a guy and an institute in Texas, uh, Baker Institute at Rice University in Texas, um, that is... Uh, knows how much carbon dioxide can be stored in grassland and in the soil in grassland um, and is trying to uh, work with other groups and other organizations to brainstorm ways to create a market for storing carbon in prairies and farms and ranches. Um, and there is some of that happening in California already, but this would be like for a much wider swath of land how farmers and ranchers could get paid to keep their land um, rather than like let it go to development or whatever. Um, and the cool thing about it, which um, I hadn't realized, is that grassland as a carbon sink is even more reliable than trees and forests are. Because in trees and forests, mo a lot of the carbon, not all of it, is stored in the actual plant itself. And so if that plant burns, like in a forest fire, the carbon is released back in the atmosphere. But in grasslands, the uh, wild grasses draw the carbon dioxide in and the carbon down, and then it gets stored in the soil, not in the plant mm -hmm. itself. So even if the grass gets cut or burnt, the carbon is still stored in the ground afterwards. Um, yeah, so I was pleased to, to see people working on that, working on, you know, the, we know the science of it, but working on policy changes to make it work. 
Um, and the last piece of good news that I had, um, it's a little bit vague, but it's very Canadian, and so it really spoke to me. Um, so you may or may not be aware in the last uh, week or 10 days, at the federal level, um, one of the prime minister's chief cabinet members, uh, Bill Morneau, who was the head of finance, uh, left his position mm-hmm. and retired. And um, Christopher Freeland now has that responsibility. I'm not sure if that's permanent or not. But what I was reading about it, what why it's good news, because, I mean, I think he was fine as a finance minister, whatever. He did an okay job. But what the article said was the reason he left was because he and Trudeau disagreed in terms of economic policy and uh, recovery from uh, the pandemic. And Morneau wanted a much more conservative policy. And Trudeau was like all in for green recovery. Oh, right? great. Oh. Yeah, so that made me really happy to know that that was, mm-hmm. you know, at least the newspaper speculating as to why Bill Morneau left and we might have good things in store for Canada. So let's cross our fingers <laughs> and pray for Justin Trudeau. Thanks for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. And stay tuned for more.